Welcome to The Readout, a new conversation series with State Department spokesperson Heather Nauert. The first discussion is with Acting Assistant Secretary Francisco Palmieri about his recent trip to Latin America and the Caribbean. You've just returned from a week-long trip with the Secretary down to Latin America. You're our senior bureau official, as others would know, at our Acting Assistant Secretary for the Western Hemisphere. Tell us a little bit about the trip and some of the deliverables that came out of it. Well, I really think uh, it's the way the trip was launched with a major policy speech at the University of Texas, Austin. And he was able to lay out a vision for the hemisphere and uh, emphasize that the United States is going to be an enduring partner in this region, that we have shared uh, interests in uh, energy-secure, democratic hemisphere that's safe uh, and has security. Uh, So he set the stage, went down to Mexico. Mexico is one of our most important country allies uh, on our border and talked uh, in depth with uh, the Mexican foreign minister and uh, the Mexican president about all the other things that are part of the U.S. relationship beyond just trade. And we've done a lot with Mexico in the past year since Secretary Tillerson came in. His first foreign trip as Secretary of State was down to Mexico. You were along for that one. Uh, What are some of the changes that we've had in our relationship over the past year? Well, you know, we've really worked hard. Uh, The Secretary launched on his first trip this transnational criminal organization uh, dialogue with Mexico. There was a meeting in May here in Washington, and then another meeting in November, and we were able to really uh, attack the problem jointly of uh, transnational criminal organizations. And what are the roots of that problem? Well, it's the drug trafficking. But what we've learned is these groups smuggle aliens, mm-hmm. smuggle weapons, move bulk cash back and forth, uh, and are in, in involved in trafficking in persons. I remember the first time we met, we sat down in your office, and you talked to me about along the southern border and about how much the United States, especially DHS and our Border Patrol, are working with the Mexican government to help them from the, slow, the flow of drugs from coming up through uh, South America, through, through Mexico. Yeah. This is one of those areas where the Merit Initiative, a $2.6 billion assistance initiative, has really made an impact. because. A decade ago, before the initiative, we had good relations, but we now have deep law enforcement connections because we've been able to work with them to professionalize their forces, to develop uh, common tactics, and uh, across the entire border, uh, Mexican security forces are doing more and more with their U.S. law enforcement partners. You look at the drug problem in the United States, ask any parent in the suburbs or in the cities. It is such an enormous problem. How are we best trying to combat that, and why does it seem to be an increasing problem? You know, in every stop on the trip, not just in Mexico, the secretary talked about the tragedy of the deaths uh, due to uh, drug consumption in the United States. And he had a real personal feeling Mm. that we need to work with these countries to get them to do more to combat this uh, drug trafficking. And, you know, one of the ways he wants to do it is trying to take down the entire business model, Mm -hmm. the production, the marketing, the financing, and then 
recognize in the United States that we have a problem with demand, and we've got to deal with the demand part of, uh, of the challenge And as well. he, he's made that very clear also, where he said, look, we're partly at fault. It's not just uh, your nation or your nations. It's us, too. We drive the demand. He likes to say we have to own that part yeah. of, the pro- of, the, of, the supply, of the supply chain. So what was the main message as we were talking in Mexico? So in Mexico, we talked about... Uh, uh, the effort on transnational criminal organizations. Uh, we talked about uh, how do we help the Mexicans strengthen their southern border to prevent uh, the flow of uh, illegal, irregular migration mm-hmm. through Mexico mm-hmm. to our border. Uh, he uh, also had a trilateral meeting where Canada joined us, and the Canadian foreign minister, Krista Freeland, was mm-hmm. there. And uh, one of the things they agreed to was to look at, on a trilateral basis, how we can uh, help mitigate uh, some of the challenges uh, with Venezuela Mm. uh, on uh, countries where people are going to. Yeah, and that was such a big theme throughout the Secretary's trip. It seemed like, from here in Washington, looking at the news, that that came up in every single one of his meetings, his conversations, his bilateral meetings. In every country. Um, uh, he talked about Venezuela. And there is a regional consensus that what is happening in Venezuela goes against the principles of this hemisphere. We have an inter-American democratic charter. It, uh, uh, the Venezuelan government is uh, eroding the democratic order of its country. It's not going to have uh, a free, fair, or transparent election. And in every capital, there is a consensus that we need to maintain pressure on the Maduro regime to return to constitutional democratic order there. And Mexico has an inordinate amount of influence with Venezuela as its largest trading partner, is that correct? I think that is true, but it's also the foreign minister, Luis Vidigaray, mm-hmm. and the secretary have a, a great ongoing conversation of this challenge. And, you know, Vita Garay was in the Dominican Republic when the opposition was trying to negotiate the terms of a real election. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one to pull out and say, the government's not serious about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when Mexico, at that level, is sending that message, it just reinforces for the rest of the hemisphere how serious the situation is. Yeah, and they is. may carry more clout than the United States and other countries as a big trading partner and as someone in the region. Well, the Lima group of regional countries have been really out front on this. Yeah, that's uh, good, good to hear. So from there you went on to Argentina? Argentina. Argentina, okay. Yeah. Tell us about that trip. Well, you know, again, in every capital... He was received by the head of government, uh, and he had a great meeting with Mauricio Macri, um, not in the Casa Rosada, but in the presidential residence, Los Olivos, Mm. which the uh, president doesn't normally uh, receive foreign ministers. A tremendous honor. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And again, in... uh, in Argentina, we talked about bilateral trade and commerce issues. We talked about uh, scientific exchange uh, and conservation efforts. Uh, we talked about Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about Buenos Aires hosting 
for the first time ever in a South America city, the G20 mm. summit of leaders uh, at the end of November this year. And that's really a big, uh, a big deal. Uh, for uh, for South America. So Western Hemisphere, your bureau and Secretary Tillerson have a big year this year because it's the year of the Americas That's right. with the G20 and the G7. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's the G20, it's, a, it's the G7, and then in... Uh, in April, it's the Summit of the Americas mm. uh, that the Peruvians are hosting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which uh, brings me to the next one, and you went to Peru next, we is did. that correct? We did. Uh, it sounds like Secretary Tillerson has a really, um, a very friendly, very warm relationship with the government of Peru. Yeah. He, uh, he talked about uh, his first foreign, uh, foreign uh, trip mm. uh, uh, to uh, Peru when he was in the Longhorn uh, band. He was I think. in the college band. The college yes. band. <laughs> and the Peruvians put together this great video, archival video footage of the visit. Really? And I think if you look closely, you might be able to see the secretary oh, in his fun. band uniform. We've got, to, we've got to get a copy of that. <laughs> Take a look. And then uh, they had a lot of good conversations, as I understand it, about a democracy, the importance of good governance, yeah. and all that. Tell me, tell me so a little bit the, about some that. So the Summit of the Americas, the Peruvians have chosen a great theme, which is dev democratic governance against corruption. Mm. And, you know, the secretary in all the capitals talked about how if we're going to create the environment for foreign investment and economic growth, countries have to take more and serious steps to combat the problem of corruption. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a problem in the entire hemisphere. No one is above uh, reproach, but uh, the summit will really give uh, uh, the countries of the region opportunity to really address that and try to come up with some new measures. Yeah, I've noticed that in so many of the Secretary's bilateral meetings, that's the topic that he will bring up, regardless of the country. Um, he will say, you know, we need American corporations and other corporations need to have a certain degree of uh, understanding, respect, clarity when it comes to investing in your country. So you have to have a rule of law. You have to have a stable, exactly something right. stable. And so that's something he brought up in Peru as well, and it'll come up in the meetings later. That's exactly right. Uh, the rule of law is a, an issue that he underscored in every country because uh, if we're going to have shared prosperity, our companies their companies and our companies have to be able to play on a level playing field. Yeah, uh, Something that may surprise people that the secretary brings up in a lot of his bilateral meetings is the issue of North Korea. And that is something that he talked about to some of these countries for f folks <laughs> who aren't familiar with that. Explain the angle. Why does he bring that up? Well, there's an international pressure campaign to keep uh, North Korea isolated because mm -hmm. it has been violating uh, UN Security Council resolutions to cease the development of a, a ballistic missile uh, capability and uh, the development of nuclear arms. And in every country, uh, Mexico, Colombia, uh, Peru, Argentina, we have partners who have been taking steps uh, to enforce those UN sanctions. And as the secretary said, uh, the Peruvians have sent home uh, the ambassador and all the embassy mm -hmm. personnel. Mm -hmm. Whenever those people arrive back in North Korea, the Korean leader feels the isolation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so every contribution makes a difference. Yeah. And, and not only that, when you kick out those employees, and in some instances, uh, North Korea will have guest workers who are working in that country. You kick them out, it helps choke off the money supply going into North Korea that we know goes to its ballistic and nuclear uh, program. So do you want to starve off that money? 
keep it away so that they can't fund that program. The secretary underscored the international pressure campaign is a global effort and every country can make contributions to helping isolate uh, the North Korean yeah. regime. And every little bit counts. So it's it's fascinating to hear that. Countries you may not think would have relations with North Korea uh, may have something. Uh, that, that brings me to another issue sort of in the region, and that is China. He spoke a lot about China's impact in the region, the vast amount of building and infrastructure building they have going on there, um, and expressed his concerns about that. Tell me about those. You know, it's part of the Trump administration's new national security strategy, that the United States needs to be aware of the imperial ambitions that China has. And there's nowhere where they have tried to get a bigger uh, toehold than in uh, the Western Hemisphere. Uh, and it is an issue that the Secretary outlined in some detail of the practices that China uses. Uh, uh, to gain that toehold uh, is uh, sometimes there are front end short term benefits, but then by the time you get to the longer term and the back end of these projects, you realize the infrastructure you thought the Chinese were buying mm -hmm. uh, for you has been flipped uh, because of the debt you incurred, and now they own the infrastructure instead. And, and sometimes they end up having to pay a lot more and effectively interest rates than they had anticipated. So the secretary makes it clear, you know, this is not always a good deal. Be careful. We want you to have your money, not to have it just go to another government, China. Yeah, that's exactly what, that was exactly the message he delivered. Uh, okay, so we've covered uh, Mexico, Peru, Argentina. Where next? Colombia. Colombia. And in Colombia, again, um, uh, just the atmospherics were great. He had a, a great bilateral meeting with the president, Juan Manuel Santos, who then invited him and the rest of the party for a private dinner in his residence uh, at, the, at the presidential palace in his mm -hmm. private quarters. Uh, and it was really a really very, very productive evening where we talked about three key issues. Again, how to combat these transnational criminal organizations, uh, but also working with the Colombian government to uh, uh, increase their uh, efforts against uh, coca cultivation. Uh, there's been a huge uh, growth in the amount of coca that's being cultivated. Really? What, the, what's, dri what's driving that? Part of it is the peace process. There's a lot of different theories. Uh, part of it also was uh, a decision by the Supreme Court that stopped aerial spraying mm -hmm. of the crop. But in any case, the numbers are large, and they are, are uh, growing uh, at uh, very concerning rates. And so we talked with the Colombian government about what it's doing, and they have a, a, a plan. They have forced eradication where uh, their military and police go in and pull the plants up. They're trying to get a voluntary eradication program where they convince uh, uh, the farmers, the small farmers, to uh, sign up to grow different crops with government assistance, mm -hmm. Colombian government assistance. And then finally, uh, there are some real heroes in Colombia who are uh, fighting and dying on the front lines against these drug cartels mm. to prevent the coca once it's turned into cocaine from reaching the United States. The interdiction efforts on Colombia's rivers, on mm -hmm. its coastlines, uh, and uh, through other ways is really been something that the Colombians have sacrificed on hmm. uh, to make a difference. And so, do we, do we at the State Department provide any kind of security funding for that or any assistance to the government to help with that? We, we have uh, a plan 
Columbia that started uh, in 2001. In 2014, we converted that to the Peace Columbia plan. Some of it is going for these alternative development efforts, but we continue to have a very robust counter-narcotics assistance uh, package that goes to the Colombian police and the Colombian military. Hmm. You know what we haven't mentioned, that the secretary has stopped and you all stopped at all our posts along the way. Oh, yeah. And meeting uh, yeah. our colleagues yeah. who are serving in the field. And one of the things I love he about being here at the State Department is meeting our people from the field because that's really what we do best, our people who are our personal representatives in front of any uh, foreign country and foreign peoples. And so one thing he added on this trip is in Mexico City and then in Argentina, uh, he met with our chiefs of missions, our ambassadors mm -hmm. in Charge d'Affaires. Uh, I think we had uh, 16 people in Mexico City and seven or eight in, uh, in Buenos Aires. He met with the ambassadors, gave them his vision, and there was a really good policy discussion in both places. He also kept his promise in Mexico City to uh, meet with the, the embassy personnel, mm -hmm. and there must have been 500 of them in the courtyard uh, of uh, our embassy there. And that means a lot to the families oh, yeah. who serve in uh, these foreign posts. They bring their children in, the children are wearing their Boy Scout or their Girl Scout uniforms. It's really a big deal. In, 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 uh, in Colombia, they must have had uh, 30 or 40 kids uh, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, mm -hmm. uh, all the other uh, affiliated groups uh, for a great group photo. That's very when sweet. When we drove up to the front yeah. door. So we were, we were talking about Colombia. What are some of the top line messages out of that? Coming out of that, I think you're going to see us also working closely to help the Colombians address the issue of the Venezuelan refugee populations. Mm. They've had over 500,000 Venezuelans cross the border. And... Uh, the secretary uh, told uh, President Santos, we're going to look at ways that we can help provide some of the assistance that we'd like to be able to deliver inside Venezuela, but the Maduro regime won't let mm -hmm. us to those Venezuelans mm -hmm. who are now outside of the country. The idea is to keep them near their border so that when democracy is restored, they can go home. Hmm. Oh, I remember you and I talking about this not too long ago, about how many people would cross the border to get food or medicine for the day from to, into Colombia, but then they would actually return home. Uh, at the time, there were quite a few uh, people doing that. Where, where is that now, there, now that it's sometime later? Yeah, there are still large numbers crossing, but the actual refugee population in Colombia is growing. They're getting to as far as Bogota to Cartagena. Mm -hmm. But the other thing we learned on this trip is there are big Venezuelan populations now in Lima, in, uh, in Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. and uh, they, are, they are increasingly leaving the country be out, of, out of the desperation mm -hmm. because of the economic situation. You know, you know, as we're talking about Venezuela, the Maduro regime just announced snap elections, I believe to be held in April, which is earlier than they were supposed to hold elections. I mean, this is a Maduro regime uh, thing that they came up with. What are we expecting to happen out of that? Well, um, President Santos and President Macri have already been out saying this: these will not be legitimate elections mm -hmm. and we will not recognize uh, the results. Mm -hmm. uh, the Lima group uh, in Peru uh, put out a very strong statement as well saying these elections, they won't be free, they won't be fair, and they won't, will not be legitimate. The international community will not recognize them. And so... Um, 
we're going to keep uh, the pressure campaign on in Venezuela. Uh, and the secretary uh, went to Jamaica also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the Caribbean has been particularly vulnerable to Venezuelan influence. But uh, they get their uh, cheap oil from there, right? That's right. And uh, the prime minister really uh, reiterated that not just Jamaica, but the countries of the Caribbean are concerned because it is a step away from democracy. Mm. And democracy is uh, the organizing principle in this hemisphere. I remember last year that uh, some of the Caribbean nations who rely on Venezuela for inexpensive oil kind of uh, stood in the way of the OAS and its ability to crack down on the Maduro regime, not the people of Venezuela, but the regime itself, to put pressure on it. Yeah. I would imagine that some of your conversations in Jamaica included reminding them of the human rights, uh, the human rights condition, uh, the uh, humanitarian situation in Venezuela. Are we seeing these Caribbean nations come along to the other countries, to our country, to Mexico's point of view now? Well, slowly but surely, uh, some key members are moving with us. Uh, and uh, the challenge is uh, there are a number of countries uh, in the Caribbean community of nations, mm -hmm. and they generally try to work together uh, by consensus. Uh, but they understand. They know what's happening inside Venezuela. They see it. Uh, and we're beginning to find partners like Jamaica that are willing to call it out. Well, it's uh, disturbing to see the pictures out of Venezuela and the people who want peace, they want democracy, and uh, a lot of nations would like to help them out. And the secretary said we, we also need to be aware that any steps we take about against Venezuela, sanctions, have a, 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 a collateral impact in the Caribbean because mm -hmm. these are small countries, small economies, mm -hmm. and, as you said, have been very dependent on... Uh, Venezuelan oil and uh, foreign assistance. Well, I know we're ready to help with some aid in Venezuela if we can eventually yeah. get that in. I know that's something you're working hard toward doing. And we're going to continue to do that. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining The Readout. That was a conversation between the State Department spokesperson, Heather Nauert, and Acting Assistant Secretary Francisco Palmieri about his recent trip to Latin America and the Caribbean. Join us again next time. <laughs>